Thanks to Third Love for supporting Muller, she wrote. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off their first order. Go to thirdlove.com ag to find yours today. And thanks to Ritual for supporting Muller, she wrote. Better health doesn't happen overnight. Start your year with Essential for Women, a small step that helps create a healthy foundation for 2019 and beyond. Visit ritual.com ag to start your ritual today. Finally, thanks to Buffy for supporting Muller, she wrote. For $20 off your Buffy comforter, visit Buffy.com and enter promo code AG at checkout. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller, She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G. With me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. Jordan Coburn isn't here this week. Good evening, San Diego. I'm Veronica Corningstone. Tits McGee is on vacation. Yep, Jordan's on a self-care trip with uh, some close friends who are soon to move away. So we will miss her, but she will be back for the midweek episode this Wednesday. Julissa, how was your week? It was good. Productive. Yes. Got a lot of shit done? Yeah, lots of news to read. So that was good. Oh, my God. So much (laughs) news. It was a seemingly quiet week, and then it just blew up in my face. Oh, yeah. Friday was crazy. It's always Fire Friday. It's nuts. (laughs) Uh, We have some corrections this week. First of all, I called Jeffrey Epstein a pederast, but that means you're into young boys. So pedophile is more correct. Uh, I also lumped Vin Weber in with Democratic lobbyists Tony Podesta and Greg Craig from Skadden, Arp, Slate, Murr, and Flom. But uh, Vin Weber is a Republican from Minnesota, so duly noted. Thank you, Minnesotans. Mm-hmm. Um, tickets are now on sale for the Miracle Theater in D.C. on March 29th for MSW Live. And we're also going to be at the Bell House in Brooklyn March 30th and the Largo in Los Angeles on April 18th. There are but a few remaining tickets. They are going fast. Only a few left, so grab them while you can. Bell House, by the way, is 18 and up. Miracle Theater is all ages, despite what uh, rumors are out there. Um <laughs> There's no formal meet and greet at Largo, but I'll be sending a message out to patrons on our Patreon page with the information about which bar we'll be headed to after the show where we can all hang out and have some cocktails. If you're not a patron and you want to get these super secret messages and you, you want to become a patron, head to patreon.com slash wrote. You'll get ad-free episodes and the midweek update and a whole bunch of other stuff for just three bucks a month. And that's oh, yeah. It's a steal. Best deal in the business. Um, so check that out. Uh, also, I'm going to be on the Open Arguments podcast this Tuesday. So look for that wherever you get your podcasts. And I was also recently on Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. So check that out. What an amazingly smart an honest person um so you know even if you're not listening to that one just check out his podcast it's really incredible he's super smart does his research and and he probably already just knows shit anyway he doesn't even have to look it up (laughs) the guy is incredible uh also uh this week as i said has been somehow quiet yet insane 
I, I think big things are about to go down. Um, and we're joined today by special guest, uh, Yale grad and trial lawyer. She's also an MSNBC legal contributor, Katie Fang. And we're going to talk about all kinds of things, including Tom Barrick. Uh, Jalisa has been reporting for a while now on the continued Russian election interference. And today you have a hot note about Trump gutting the election protection task force. Oh, yeah. Election protection. That reminds me of that scene with uh, Paul Rudd in Wanderlust. Hmm. Do you like my erection selection? Paul Rudd is a national treasure. Paul Rudd, if you're listening, I hope you can make your way to the Largo on April 18th from Muller She Wrote Live. It'll be tremendous. Uh, We have a lot to cover this week, so we might as well jump in with just the facts. All right, guys. Early in the week, House Intel Committee Chairman Adam Schiff was on Meet the Press, MTP, where he said that Snoop Dagg Rosenstein may have killed the Deutsche Bank subpoenas to keep Mueller from being fired which is why the House Intel Committee is now going to be looking closely into that case. And, you know, just on the off chance, Mueller did not. Um, because, he, you know, some, Mueller didn't want to, maybe he didn't want to cross the line, that red line Trump drew in the sand. That makes sense, yeah. Uh, and keep his job. So if there's something Mueller's not investigating, I think it's safe to say it's either being handed off to other federal prosecutors or U.S. attorneys um, or the House is now going to investigate it. Uh, that whole big sweeping uh, announcement of investigations that we covered last week. Pretty incredible. Nice, yes. All right, also Monday we learned that AMI, that's America Media Inc., they're the American Media Inc., they're the Inquirer douches. <laughs> they told the Daily Beast that the Inquirer obtained the Jeff Bezos texts from his mistress's brother. So basically Bezos cheated on his wife with Lauren Sanchez. Lauren's brother, Michael, is buddies with Roger Stone and Carter Page, so obviously a giant piece of shit. (laughs) Bezos said last week in a stunning Medium article that he was being extorted, blackmailed by AMI and the Inquirer, saying they told him he had to say AMI was not acting politically or they weren't politically motivated. Otherwise, they were going to release a bunch of his kinky texts. Bezos also alleged Saudi Arabia was part of this scandal because they hate the Washington Post as much as Trump does. And we know Bezos owns the Washington Post. And uh, Saudi Arabia hates the Washington Post because uh, Khashoggi worked for exactly for them. Mm-hmm. Well, now people from AMI are telling reporters that it was Michael Sanchez, who we now will call Dirty Sanchez <laughs> um, forever. Uh, that, and he's the one who stole Bezos's text from his sister's phone and, and gave them to the Inquirer. I personally think, and these are beans, that he's the fall guy here. I don't think he did it. He says he didn't do it, although you really can't believe anything Dirty Sanchez says. Um, I think the Saudis are more involved in this than Trump and AMI want us to know. And that's why AMI went out of their way to lot, to extort him. They wouldn't have shit all over their non-prosecutorial agreement over this if it weren't, you know, if they weren't covering up something super important. So put some beans on that and look for AMI and Dylan Howard to be indicted as they've broken their non-prosecution and immunity agreements, respectively. Oh, yeah. They're going down. Also Monday, Cohen has postponed his Senate Intel Committee testimony, citing medical issues. He recently had shoulder surgery uh, and says the meds he's on make him too goofy to testify. Well, that's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how that's different from his regular testimony. Um, But yeah, even though he was out partying, he was seen partying with friends and then his wife over the weekend, the next night. He already knew his House Intel testimony, or we already knew his House Intel testimony was moved to February 28th, and nobody in the House minded that, probably because I think, personally, Mueller asked for the delay, not Cohen. Actually, I think it's been reported, it's been confirmed, that uh, Cohen didn't ask for that delay. That's right. 
Uh, I'm not sure why he's moving the Senate intel testimony, uh, but Cohen reports to prison for three years in a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, and they can take him out of jail to do his testimony, right? So Absolutely. I wonder why he'd push it back. For some reason, they're like, we'd rather do it before he goes to jail, but whatever. Yeah. And uh, Cutter appears to be distancing itself from Kushner, as Reuters reported this week that after Cutter found out it unwittingly bailed out Kushner's devil building, 666 Fifth <laughs> Avenue, it revamped its investment strategy. So let me see if I can explain this to you uh, with a straight face. The Cutteries want us to believe that one of their investment vehicles called Brookfield Investments, which is funded in part by the Cutter Investment Authority, bailed out Kushner and his building to the tune of over a billion dollars for a property worth half that much, probably. It's a shitty investment. Nobody wanted it. Uh, and and the, the Cutteries say they had no idea uh, about this. Yeah, just another Tuesday for them, you know. Just a billion. <laughs> no biggie. And we have reported that, uh, you know, when I'm talking about QIA possibly being the secret company from country A in the Mueller subpoena dispute, um, we've talked about how Cutter said that they want to do $35 billion worth of business in the United States. Maybe a billion here and a billion there is no mm-hmm. big deal to them, but I'm... Mm, I don't know. Despite the coincidental, the coincidental subsequent removal of the Cuttery boycott by the Saudis and the ouster of traitors to the Saudi crown from intel given to Mohammed Bonesaw by Jared Kushner, to me this is nothing more than the Cutteries lubing the truth uh, for when we find out in a couple of weeks that maybe they are at the heart of that secret subpoena battle because they don't want to hand over their records to Robert Mueller because they bribed Flynn, Cohen, and Kushner, right? Those are super space beans. I'm only guessing. It <laughs> could be somebody we've never heard of, but I think it's QIA. We'll the, find out, yeah, but it sounds pretty logical. And uh, we learned this Wednesday that the courts are going to make public more information about the secret company from Country A. And to me, and these are just beans, Cutter wants you to know that when all is revealed, they really honestly had no idea they helped fund a billion-dollar <laughs> Kushner bailout in exchange <laughs> for policy. That is crazy. It's pretty stupid. Um, there was an incredible piece in The New Yorker this week by Ronan Farrow about Psy Group and Black Cube. Uh, Jalise has been reporting on these Israeli Mossad for higher groups and their connections with the Trump campaign pretty extensively. And I, I think that this reporting is coming up again because we might find out soon about that August 3rd Trump Tower meeting with Joel Zamel that Seth Abramson referred to as the biggest news story of 2018 in our season finale episode, um, December 31st. Zamel is a guy... By the way, he's the guy who proposed social media psyops to the Trump campaign and who Nader then paid two million dollars to shortly (laughs) after Trump won. Uh, And Nader has immunity, guys. So put some beans on this space. And I highly recommend you check out the article from Ronan Farrow in The New Yorker. It's called Private Massad for Hire. Or check out our midweek episode. Jaleesa did a deep dive into into this because she's been following these stories for a while. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Good article, though. Really long. It was. It was a really good read, though. Ronan Farrow is an incredible writer. Ronan, if you're listening, <laughs> you should come on Mueller, she wrote. Please do. Um, Jaleesa also did a story in the midweek episode about a Trump squid pro crow with a coal man named Murray, in which Trump publicly, by tweet, urged the Tennessee Valley Authority to keep an, keep open a 49-year-old coal plant, despite its plans to convert more into wind and solar and hydro, right? Oh, yeah. And that coal plant is owned by a huge Trump donor named Murray. Ah, go figure, right? Yeah, Yeah, Jaleesa, what a weird story. It's so strange. And uh, the TVA, that was the board that was going to vote on the uh, closure of this plant, they were supposed to get together on Thursday to decide. So I I haven't seen an update yet. I wonder what they... 
what they went with on that one because they said they were leaning towards closing it because it just wasn't viable and it just made sense to you know let it go but trump insisted it was so important to keep it open so what a dummy yeah uh, then things started to go a little nuts this week on Wednesday. Uh, we learned Roger Stone, fighting against a gag order, told the judge that Mueller should have to prove he didn't leak the Stone indictment to the press before he was arrested. And then his magical lawyers, who can't file paperwork properly, <laughs> presented evidence that actually showed the indictment was released after Stone was arrested. As it turns out, though, it was released just moments before the arrest was carried out and the time was filled in a little bit later. But Stone is beating this conspiracy drum that idiot right-wingers, including Matthew fucking Whitaker, by the way, in his congressional testimony, are trying to push that CNN must have known about the arrest from Mueller ahead of time. They're conspiring because they were outside of his house before the FBI knocked on his door. <laughs> or they listened to Mueller, she wrote. <laughs> yeah, look, guys, just because you're not smart enough to understand something doesn't mean it's a conspiracy theory. Uh, we knew Stone was getting arrested that day. We're a podcast of comedians. The grand jury met the day before. Uh, Stone himself said he was about to get arrested. There was a sealed indictment. There was a sealed indictment on the, do the D.C. docket the night before. Uh, we put two and two together, guys. I know I've said this before, but that's what I think conspiracy theories are. Someone just isn't smart enough to understand something, <laughs> so it has to be a conspiracy. Just because you can't wrap your head around the concept of a round earth doesn't mean the rest of us are fucking with you. Yeah, I saw a meme today that was just like the pyramids, and it said, work so hard that people think the aliens did it. <laughs> kind of what that makes me think of conspiracy theory. <laughs> totally. Just because you can't understand the concept of water vapor doesn't mean the government <laughs> is using chemtrails to control your mind, right? Or just because you have the mental capacity or you don't have the mental capacity to grasp the Trump-Russia investigation doesn't mean there's a deep state. Or, you know, you can't see germs. That doesn't mean you shouldn't <laughs> vaccinate your kids. <laughs> that was crazy. I thought that was like a made-up quote until I saw the clip. He <laughs> actually said that. He did. Can't see germs. Uh or just because you haven't experienced racism doesn't mean it's not a thing. Mm -hmm. Or because you haven't been raped or assaulted doesn't mean women are out to get you. You know, not all men. All lives matter. The earth is flat. Globe heads are real. Follow the money. 9-11 was an inside job. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Make America great again. Deep state. Pizzagate. Ah, fucking shut up. <laughs> These Q fucks are killing me with their stupidity. <laughs> And rant. Um, I love it. Well said. Thank you. Anyhow, uh, back to Stone. <clears throat> Sorry. Momentary rant. <laughs> uh, Judge Jackson in the Stone case ruled to allow Jerome Corsi, another conspiracy theorist and former Stone associate, to file an amicus brief. That's a friend of the court brief supporting the gag order. He's also suing Stone for defamation, as we reported last week. And as it turns out, Judge Jackson did end up filing a partial gag order saying Stone is not allowed to run his mouth outside the courthouse. Just outside the courthouse. I feel like this is almost a trap. Like, <laughs> like she didn't give him a full gag order to let him go ahead and try to say some shit because it can and will be used against him in a court of law. Oh, yeah. He will try if he can. Right? Like like how Manafort wrote that op-ed with a Russian when he's supposed to be a gagged Idiot. out yeah. on bail. Uh, but probably the biggest stone news came from um, details we got in a filing from Mueller's team responding to Stone's objection that his case be related to the indictment of the Russians. Right. Mm -hmm. The Russians that hacked and then stole documents from the DNC, the DCCC and Podesta. It turns out the reason he was contesting that link, that relationship between his case and the Russian indictments is because all related cases are heard by the same judge. And I think he's scared shitless of Judge Amy Berman Jackson. <laughs> 
So Mueller filed a document supporting the link between those cases. He said, here's why they're related. And in that response, we learned that Stone had direct contact with some of the GRU defendants named in the Mueller indictment uh, of the Russians concerning the hacked materials. He had direct contact with these Russian intelligence officials. Mueller said that when they uh, reviewed the evidence collected in the Russian hacking case, they found direct communications with Roger Stone. Um, <laughs> WikiLeaks, you up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New phone, who dis? Uh, quote, as alleged in the Netique show, sounds like a weird show, mm-hmm. uh, indictment, that the Russian indictment, as alleged in the Russian indictment, the defendants stole documents from the DNC, the DCCC, and Podesta. They then released many of them, including through WikiLeaks. The government executed warrants on various accounts used to facilitate the transfer of stolen documents for release, as well as to discuss the timing and promotion of their release. Uh, several were executed on accounts that contain communications from Roger Stone, including Guccifer 2.0 and WikiLeaks. Evidence shows that the Russian defendants hacked and stole the documents for release through WikiLeaks and that Roger Stone lied about it to the Congressional Committee. Guys, that's it right there. <laughs> Stone participated in the weaponization of materials hacked and stolen by the Kremlin to benefit Trump and hurt Hillary Clinton, and then lied about it to Congress. And Mueller has documentary evidence to prove it. This is what we've been saying all along, and, and Judge Jackson agreed and ruled against Roger Stone's objection, handing yet another win to Mueller's team as he remains undefeated <laughs> in federal court. So, so when they ask you, where's your proof, um, tell them. Mueller has documentary documentary evidence that Stone communicated with Russians that hacked the Democrats and conspired to release them in such a way as to do maximum damage to Clinton and to help Trump. Oh, yeah. And I feel like some people just may never believe it. Even when the report comes out and we see the evidence, some people are just probably never going to like, you know, people are like, oh, where's your proof? It's like it's like flat earthers. I can't see it for myself. (laughs) I didn't see it happen. Exactly. It's not real. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. (laughs) Uh, There's also evidence that Stone lied about all this to Congress to cover up the conspiracy. Why would you lie? Consciousness of guilt is what it's called. And we also have evidence that Trump and Stone were in constant communication around that time. Late night chats on the phone. Mm. So I just like like laying on their stomach with their feet kicked up. Like, hey, how are you? (laughs) No, you hang up first. Right. (laughs) So I bet a late night call with Putin would be called a pooty call. (laughs) Pooty call. (laughs) 2 a.m. So, guys, don't miss these filings. Mueller is telling us all about the crux of the conspiracy and you don't want to miss them. Okay. Mm -hmm. so this is the conspiracy. Uh, These are the facts and this this is the evidence and of course we've been saying this forever it's in seth abramson's book <laughs> yeah, collusion. the bible <laughs> right our bible yeah. so just make sure you pay attention to these because the, these little filings are where all the details are going to come out if there's not some big grand sweeping indictment at the end of all this that scoops everybody up in conspiracy and that wire would be fraud. amazing but if there's not all the details we need are going to come out in these filings so pay attention to them all right guys we'll be right back Hey, Muller Junkies. AG and Jaleesa here to tell you how much we love our bras and undies from 3rd Love. 3rd Love uses the magic of metadata by analyzing the measurements of millions of real women to create the perfect fit. They have more than 70 sizes to fit any beautiful body, and they even have half cup sizes because half of women fall between the traditional cup sizes offered by mainstream bra peddlers, <laughs> myself included. First, you take their Fit Finder quiz, which is quick and user-friendly, and it helps determine the right bra for you and includes your cup shape, which is something most manufacturers don't even consider. Uh, Then they recommend the perfect bra so there's no spillage, the straps don't dig, and there's no pinching or discomfort. 
My personal favorite is their breathable Pima cotton collection. I wear mine all the time as a t-shirt bra. It's so comfortable. It's so soft. Julissa, what's your favorite? I like the front closure bra. I got that one. It's just really easy like to just pop off. Like It's just so super convenient and really comfortable. I just I love it so much, the strap being in the front. It's just really nice. Yeah, I like the front closure ones. It confuses the dudes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, or whoever you're into. Uh, Third Love has a 100% fit guarantee with easy and free returns, free exchanges, and their customer service is truly amazing. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering you guys, Muller Junkies, 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash AG now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash AG for 15% off today. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, we left off somewhere in the middle of Wednesday. Help me. Uh, that's when we all learned that one of Carl Klein's subordinates, Trisha Newbold, is seeking whistleblower protection under the Whistleblower Act. Carl Klein is the guy Trump installed uh, to supervise the security clearances for the White House. He's the guy that gave Kushner and Jr. their clearances, even though the CIA and the FBI objected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we reported previously, he's let over 30 clearances go that probably shouldn't have wow. uh, or that weren't recommended by the FBI or CIA. Trisha Newbold, one of his subordinates, filed for whist- whistleblower status uh, less than two weeks after she was suspended without pay for defying Carl Klein, saying he was granting unwarranted security clearances for officials, including Kushner. She alleges that Klein repeatedly mishandled security files and has approved unwarranted clearances, giving preferential treatment to certain individuals by not making them come in to answer for questionable concerns. Uh, when she raised these concerns specifically about Kushner, Klein told her to watch herself. Mm. Uh, and then when NBC News reached out to Klein, they got no comment other than a text reading, I don't care. Um, he doesn't care about your national security. Uh, the House Oversight Committee is now investigating the matter, and we will keep you posted. That is so crazy. They really don't care, though, and they're no. so blunt about it. What do you do, you know? Like, yeah, I don't care. Ugh, gross. At least they're honest. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> also Wednesday, the lawyers for Bijan Kian asked for more time to prepare their defense for trial because they have terabytes of data. If you remember, Bijan Kian is the guy that was indicted the day before Flynn got went to did that crazy hearing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he Bijan Kian was indicted for uh, acting as a foreign agent or espionage light. You might have heard us call it in the Turkey matter, right? He pleaded not guilty, and his lawyers are asking to move the trial to this fall because his daughter's wedding is the first week of August and he doesn't want to get jammed up before then. Coming this fall, privilege. (laughs) Right. Coming this fall to NBC. Uh, So so this is the best part. The judge is like, oh, you don't want to get jammed up before the early August wedding? Okay, your trial's on July 15th. Nice. (laughs) I love it. Take that, you fucking criminal. So saucy. I know. Saucy judges. Mm -hmm. And in the Concord management case, guys, the judge handed Mueller a win, saying the Russians can't have any of the discovery material they want. The Concord management case is the one where the uh, those asshole lawyers, they're American lawyers. But they're representing the Russians? Yeah, Concord management is a Russian company Mm -hmm. uh, run by, I think, Prigozhin, Putin's chef. That's right. Uh, Concord management and catering or some shit like that. And uh, so basically they they came in, they got some American lawyers and these are the ones who like put cartoon and pop culture references in their court filings. Yeah. The ridiculous lawyers. Yeah. Right. And drop the F bomb. And, and the judge is like, you're stop it. Just stop it. Mm-hmm. You're being an asshole. They're trolling in court. They are. And, and, and what happened was, is they took some banal documents from, from Mueller and, 
edited them, forged them, mm-hmm. put them online, and then tweeted out from an anonymous Twitter account, oh, we hacked Mueller. Look at his reports are stupid and they say nothing. Right. So that's the Concord management case. The judge found in favor of Mueller saying, no, you can't have any of the discovery. It's too sensitive, and you're just going to hand it over to Purgosians. So Very nice. Eat shit and die. The courts are so important, man. I know. Yeah. And and they're doing such a good job on this. Mm-hmm. It's, they're batting a thousand um, for justice. Uh, as I said earlier, we also learned Wednesday that we will be getting more information made public about the super secret subpoena case involving secret company owned by Country A. My beans are on the Cutter Investment Authority. I've spelled that out. Uh, quite a bit a couple episodes back and in a pretty extensive Twitter thread if you want to check that out my second and third picks are VEB and VTB respectively but we'll soon know if beans come true oh yeah Uh, and Wednesday Jerry Nadler he's the chair of the House Judiciary Committee and a fucking badass (laughs) he wrote a love letter to Matthew fucking Whitaker for Valentine's Day um, saying the committee doesn't believe your bullshit testimony (laughs) (laughs) specifically when you said you didn't talk to the White House about Mueller so come on back down to the hill and clarify your inconsistent story. Care to revise your statement, sir? What? Do you want to change your bullshit story, sir? The other thing Nadler wants to clear up with Whitaker is whether or not Trump or any other White House official expressed displeasure displeasure with him in the wake of Cohen's guilty plea last November. Nadler says in his letter that some of what Whitaker said is in conflict with evidence they possess. Uh, we're not done with you yet, big dick toilet guy. Mm-hmm. Or as Molly Jong Fast calls him, hot tub crime machine. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> also, Wednesday, we found out that Sam Patton's sentencing has been scheduled for April 12th. Patton is the guy that Mueller indicted for taking foreign money into the Trump inaugural. He was the first public confirmation that Trump and his inaugural was taking foreign money, which Patton did using a cutout, a straw donor, to sell inaugural tickets and was reimbursed by Putin-backed Ukrainian emigres. So keep your eyes out for the names Intrader, Vexelberg, Blavatnik, and Kooks, or Kukes. Um, (laughs) These are all soft power U.S. citizens that are Russian allies. The Kremlin uses them to get shit done in the United States because they're citizens here or they're on visas, and and they're likely the straw donors federal prosecutors will be looking into in the Southern District of New York's investigation into the inaugural fund. Why the Sam Patton case was held by Mueller's team and not handed off probably has to do with Patton's association to Manafort, Gates, and Kalimnik. As we know, uh, Mueller, loyal, Mueller, <laughs> Mueller lawyer Weissman <laughs> said... That is a tough one. <laughs> has said uh, that the meetings between Kalimnik and Manafort, specifically that August 2nd meeting, go directly to the heart of the Mueller probe. So I expect Patton is wound up in that somehow. So put some beans on it. Yeah. You think in superseding for that for him or just um, just go the course of his, his current charge? Patton? No, I don't think he's going to get face any more uh, charges. I think they're all, you know, stuff that, he, that uh, Mueller didn't want us to know about is redacted. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know. It'll just come up again. Yeah, or yeah. or in Flynn's stuff, it might come up in Kalimnik Manafort stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. It might be redacted in Manafort filings we've already seen. Right. That we just can't read. That would make sense, though. So yeah. we will see, maybe. <laughs> uh, we got a ton of Manafort news. Speaking of Manafort, I'll go over that later in the show in Hot Notes. Then Thursday... Andrew McCabe popped back up in the news. My boyfriend's back and he's gonna kick your ass. That is right. My boyfriend did an interview with 60 Minutes ahead of his book tour and he dropped some bombs during that chat. He said that there were actual serious discussions in the Department of Justice about invoking the 25th Amendment to remove Trump. Uh, from about eight days prior to the firing of James Comey until Robert Mueller was appointed. 
And he confirmed that Snoop Dagg Rod Rosenstein was serious when he suggested wearing a wire during <laughs> meetings with the president. If you'll remember, uh, the McCabe memos corroborated that. And we were like, what? But I thought it was a joke. No, he was serious. Wow. Um, so McCabe uh, is being honest if McCabe is being honest. Um, McCabe, Good point. <laughs> you're right. McCabe also said that once Comey was fired, he prompted the FBI team uh, to start investigating the Trump-Russia conspiracy and also to investigate obstruction as a national security issue, counterintelligence problem, after Comey was fired. We've covered that, that big New York Times piece that dropped. Uh, and he opened that investigation to establish the case in, in the event he were, were fired, which he was. For lack of candor, the day before he was going to retire by Jeff Sessions. Insanity. Who he was investigating. <laughs> so, uh, as he did back then, a spokesperson for Snoop Dagg uh, is kind of denying these statements. He said Thursday, quote, uh, the deputy attorney general again rejects Mr. McCabe's recitation of events as inaccurate and factually incorrect. Dagg has stated, based on his personal dealings with the president, there is no basis to invoke the 25th Amendment nor was the DAG in a position to consider invoking the 25th Amendment, end quote. Note that he doesn't say he didn't try to or <laughs> didn't discuss the 25th Amendment. He's just saying you can't. Right. Or he, or he, yeah, he's just not in a position to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, nor did he at all mention the wearing a wire thing. Oh, yeah. Um, what I do, th- what, here's what I think is going on, personally. McCabe was wrongfully terminated, is what I think. Um, Snoop Dagg wore a wire. And they all talked about removing Trump under the 25th Amendment. Though the next day, McCabe's spokesperson uh, came out and made clear that McCabe was not part of any ongoing discussions about the 25th Amendment. Okay. So there's that. Very interesting, though. Uh, McCabe's got a book coming out in a, this week, I think. I've ordered us a bunch of copies. Mm. See if we might do a book club on it. Yeah. Also, Thursday, the results from Trump's annual physical were released, which said he's six foot three. <laughs> And that he's 243 pounds. Yeah, in your bra. Uh, Then later Thursday, in your bra, um, Natasha Bertrand published a piece in The Atlantic asserting that the Senate's probe into Russian interference is facing a reckoning. So after Nunes screwed the pooch on the GOP-led investigation in the House, you know, the House Intel Committee, we all kind of hedged our bets on the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, We here at Mueller, she wrote, have said on multiple occasions that we thought the Senate investigation had more credibility, it was more legit than the clusterfuck going on in the House, which is why we pushed so hard to take back the House and appoint committee chairs that would actually follow through with what I think and I think what all of us think is the single most important investigation in our history. So although we put more faith in the Senate, it seems that their bipartisanship is starting to waver. Uh, The chair of the Senate Intel Committee, Burr, Uh, And the vice chair, Democrat Mark Warner, appear to be disagreeing over there being any direct evidence of conspiracy. But as Chuck Rosenberg told Natasha Bertrand, quote, I don't think I've ever had a case where I've had direct evidence of conspiracy. If there's snow on your front lawn, you can safely conclude that it's snowed. Is it direct evidence? No, it's circumstantial. Someone could have driven up to your house and thrown snow on your lawn, but that's unlikely. And then he says this really important thing. He says... The law treats circumstantial and direct evidence as being of equal weight. Wow. So, F you Trump supporters who are like, oh, circumstantial evidence. And think about any blue-collar crime that you know about and the way that it's handled for most people. It's like circumstantial it's almost all the time. All circumstantial yeah. evidence. And here's where Burr loses all credibility with me. Burr claimed recently that Christopher Steele of the Steele dossier had not responded to the committee's attempts to engage with him. But Steele had actually submitted written answers to the panel last August, 
So that circumstantial evidence holds the same legal weight as direct evidence, and Burr is now either a liar or incompetent. Those things are indicative that, th that his statement about there having been no direct evidence of collusion is just a pile of shit to me now. Uh, and add to that the red flags that Burr took no steps to hire experts to aid in the investigation, and he failed to use his subpoena power to obtain records from entities like Deutsche Bank, and you've got another complicit cover-up in what we thought was a more credible investigative body. And it could still be more credible, but like you're saying, there's all these holes because Burr is Burr. I mean, you know, whether it's because he's a Republican or what, he clearly has an agenda that's not the same as justice, maybe? <laughs> not a justice agenda. No, I don't think so. But there are others that seemingly, you know, were trying to keep it on the right track. So there were points where we thought that it was going the right way. But in the end, you know, he's in charge. Yeah. And all these Republicans are like, there's no smoking gun. There's no smoking gun. I just want to let you know that a smoking gun is circumstantial evidence. Oh, bam. There you go, AG. <laughs> so fuck you. <laughs> Pretty sure a bullet was just shot off if there's smoke. <laughs> You know, no, the gun just could be smoking. Oh, and, yeah, a smoky and gun. <laughs> standing over a dead body, but you didn't see it happen with your own eyes, Flat Earth. <laughs> um, finally, Thursday, William Barr was confirmed and sworn, as, as sworn in as the Attorney General. This is interesting to me for several reasons, least of which that he's not committed publicly to releasing the full Mueller report. And if you remember, Barr is the guy that on Christmas Eve 1992 pardoned all those Iran-Contra fucks back in the day. Match that up with Matthew fucking Whitaker's testimony that he's laid eyes on pardoning documents in the White House, and you've got a significant problem in the Department of Justice. Oh, yeah. Then Friday came. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and even though it wasn't a felony Friday, it was lit. Um, first, Trump shat on the Rose Garden uh, by declaring a national emergency and then saying, I didn't need to do this, and then leaving for a weekend golf trip. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, big emergency. Um, both of those things will undoubtedly be used against him uh, in court as proof that there is no emergency. And California Governor Gavin Newsom has said, we will see you in court. Oh, yeah. He's been sued by so many, right? So many organizations. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crew's going after him. The ACLU's going after him. There's no way that this is going to get anywhere. And if it does, and he does steal money from the military because he cares about the military so much to build his stupid wall, we're just going to knock it down when we win in 2020. Mm -hmm. So eat shit. Uh, we also learned Friday that Sarah Sanders was interviewed by special counsel. Uh, I would be especially excited to know how she answered for lying to the public about Don Jr.'s statement regarding the Trump Tower meeting and how it was about adoptions, a statement we now know was directed by the president and possibly written for him by Putin. Yeah. Because at the G20 summit right before they got on the plane, there was that little sidebar with Putin for about an hour that only Melania was there for. Exactly. And, you know. And the translator, who we'll never get to his, talk to, probably. His exactly. Translator. translator. Not yeah. even ours. And they're trying to get Trump, so, I mean... I wonder if that'll be helpful. I don't know. We'll see. And finally, Friday, guys, Elijah Cummings of the House Oversight Committee published 19 pages of redacted notes from the Office of Government Ethics and wrote two letters to two different Trump lawyers alleging that they, too, lied to government officials about the hush money payments Cohen is going to prison for in a couple of weeks. Yay. <laughs> uh, that means that now there are three Trump lawyers who could be implicated in the hush money payments. And we would do well to remember that both AMI, Pecker, uh, oh, and also Dylan Howard may have just blown up their non-prosecutorial agreements and immunity deals by extorting Washington Post owner Jeff Bezos. So everything they've told prosecutors, uh, they may now be criminally liable for. So put some beans on it. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. 
Hey, Muller Junkies. Did you know that 80% of us fail at sticking to our New Year's resolutions? Well, fail no more, because Ritual Vitamins makes it easier than ever to stick to our promises about being healthier. Ritual makes it easy and convenient to create new healthy habits that stick, and their obsessively researched vitamin for women has all the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from our diets, and they do it all sustainably and in the cleanest, purest forms. No creepy additives that end up doing more harm than good. The vitamin is called Essential for Women, and it's two capsules per day of nine essential nutrients with a nice minty flavor so you're not tasting fish oil all day. Each vitamin helps provide you with the ingredients you need to build a healthy foundation for 2019 and beyond. For obsessive label readers like me, all of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients and their sources are 100% out there and transparent for the whole world to see. A subscription is easy to start, it's easy to snooze, and it's only a dollar a day and it's delivered right to your door. So start your ritual today with Essential for Women, a small and easy step to creating a healthy foundation. Visit ritual.com slash AG to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash AG. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. Hot notes. All right, time for Hot Notes. Jaleesa, you have some news about how tough Trump is on Russian election interference. <laughs> oh, yes. He's the toughest. How tough is he? <laughs> I'm so tough. <laughs> so according to the Daily Beast, Trump has dramatically decreased the size of two teams at the Department of Homeland Security, whose jobs it is to prevent foreign countries from meddling in our elections. And apparently three DHS officials leaked this information. And they also said they highly doubt the department will ever properly prepare to protect the 2020 election. Another DHS official who's familiar with the team said, quote, the clear assessment from the intelligence community is that 2020 is going to be the perfect storm. And that's because we already know Russia is still meddling in our election with no real motive to stop. <laughs> None. I think of Putin as like Freddie Mercury singing Don't Stop Me Now. <laughs> like he's just going at it. The other task force uh, was shrunk after the 2018 midterms, so basically after the blue wave happened. And even though that's really fucked up, it would make a pretty funny title. I was thinking, honey, I shrunk the budget for the Department of Homeland Security. <laughs> Instant classic. Uh, but anyways, one, one DHS official said, our key allies... Honey, I shrunk the budget and honey, I blew up my plea agreement. Oh, yeah. I like it. I like the sequel, yeah. <laughs> He said our key allies are wondering why the U.S. is not more coordinated and not more proactive in dealing with this. And I'm pretty sure we on Moesha reported on uh, the $120 million or so that has been allotted to combat cyber terrorism. And Trump has used none of it. It's still the case. Yeah, sure. you've actually been following that. And in the uh, leading up to the midterms, you talked about all the breaches that was were oh. happening with Gillibrand and other totally all races. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the meddling is happening all the time. It's, it's constant hacking. And uh, we also learned from the article that people are beginning to be moved around in the task forces and a lot of new people are coming in to handle election security for 2020. And it sounds like it's a lot of Trump's people that are coming in. So mm. former DHS deputy analyst John Cohen said, if these reports are true regarding Russian interference in our elections, then it's highly disturbing that the department and the administration are not more focused on dealing with that threat. And another former DHS official said it won't be 2016 all over again. The threat is changing and a thinly staffed task force working on that is not going to be able to keep up with the adversary. Oh, God, that's frightening. Yeah. That's why we say vote in numbers too big to manipulate. Exactly. That's really our only like choice in this option. It's just like we did with the blue wave. And even then we were still being meddled with, but it clearly worked. 
All right, Jaleesa, thanks for that reporting. That's crazy. It angers me. All right, guys, so Paul Manafort had a shit week, and this pleases me. First, uh, he had a hearing Wednesday about his breach of plea, and we got the transcripts for it on Friday. As we know, Manafort is facing sentencing this week in the Eastern District of Virginia. That's just one of his trials. Uh, He's also facing sentencing in the two counts he pleaded to uh, in D.C., but that's not until March. So the transcripts of Wednesday's hearing are pretty scathing. But uh, the part that stood out to me was when the judge said, quote, we've now spent considerable time talking about multiple clusters of false or misleading or incomplete or needed to be prodded by counsel statements, all of which center around the defendant's relationship or communications with Mr. Kalimnik. This is the topic at the undisputed core of the Office of Special Counsel's investigation into any links or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign. That right there, guys, that's the conspiracy. Mm -hmm. That's the proof of collusion that they always keep asking you about. (laughs) So ultimately, the judge ruled that Manafort intentionally lied to prosecutors after he'd agreed to cooperate. And he lied about three things. He lied about his meeting with Kalimnik, particularly the August 2nd meeting uh, at the Grand Havana Cigar Room, which incidentally is in 666 Fifth Avenue. Uh, and I'm wondering if this is the same meeting. We've talked about this before. You remember when he met with Kalimnik and then right around that same time, uh, Deripaska's private jet landed in Newark. Oh, yeah. And then Kalimnik got on the jet with Deripaska. They went to pick up the prime minister of Russia. Right. Deputy prime minister of Russia, excuse me. And then they ended up on a yacht in, in Norway. Yeah. Most expensive Uber pool ever. <laughs> <laughs> most treasonous, too. <laughs> with the... Uh, with, um, What's her face? Boho, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, why can't I think of her name? Nasi Rubka. There we go. Yeah, yeah. And she recorded that and got the video. I mm-hmm. think that's the whole thing. That would make sense. Um, and that was the one thing he lied about. Another thing he lied about was a $125,000 payment he got from one of his PACs. He said it was a loan, but it was actually to help pay his legal fees. And he lied about information material to another DOJ investigation, Department of Justice investigation, which they did not specify, but it could be the inaugural probe, which Rick Gates is helping with, or maybe it's the Trump Tower Moscow deal. We don't know yet. So the meeting, the meeting, <laughs> the meeting at the Havana Cigar Club is the thing that Mueller prosecutor Weissman says goes directly to the heart of the Mueller probe. And we talked about that last week, right? And that meeting took place the day before the extremely important August 3rd meeting with Joel Zamel of the Israeli Mossad organization Psy Group, which we talked about earlier in the show. Gates was also at that meeting. And uh, we all know his sentencing has been delayed, likely because he's still cooperating in this ongoing investigation. The $125,000 payment was the thing Manafort told three different stories about, but the truth is, it's money that came from a PAC to help him pay his legal fees. The judge in the Manafort case determined Manafort intentionally lied, so that makes him a useless mouthpiece now, <laughs> meaning he can't speak on behalf of Trump or the Trump org or you know anything like that, um, or against the Mueller investigation, because anything he says is just going to be touted as total bullshit. Exactly. So, But that's not all on Manafort this week. We also got Mueller's sentencing memo. And though it's redacted, it has a lot of stuff in there uh, indicative of conspiracy and aiding and abetting. All the things we've been saying for over a year now since we started this podcast. Uh, The sentencing memo is recommending 19 and a half to 24 and a half years in federal prison, for which there is no parole. And he faces up to $24 million in fines, $24 million in restitution, and $4.4 million in asset forfeiture. Uh, And the prosecutors have said there is nothing to mitigate that sentence or lighten it um, since Manafort intentionally lied to prosecutors breaching his plea agreement. In fact, the prosecutors argued there are circumstances that aggravate his sentencing, aggravating circumstances, a warrant the courts imposing more time going for the higher end. Wow. Uh, First off, and I love this, 
They say he's rich, he's educated, he's successful, yet he still found it necessary to do crimes and steal from the American taxpayers. Um, they also say, uh, like a privilege. I love that they made that point. It's it's a really good point. Yeah. And it's an important one, yeah? And they also said because he was the ringleader of all this shit. He dragged Gates and Kalimnik into his criminal activity, and he reaped most of the benefits, and that should be given uh, a sentence at the higher end of the sentencing guidelines. So all these aggravating factors could make the judge give him more time, not less. No breaks for this asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is the first judge to sentence him. Oh, God. <laughs> there will be uh, more sentencing drama in March for the D.C. District Court. And the only question then becomes whether he serves these prison terms concurrently or consecutively. Wow. Meaning... You know, if he gets 20 years here and 20 years here, does he do 20 years or does he do 40? Exactly. Either way, that's still for his age. That's not looking good. Yeah. The only way he's getting out is feet first. Yeah. Um, so the final factor for consideration um, about this whole story is why did he lie? Why did he knowingly risk life in prison to blow up his plea deal? To me, the answer is obvious. It's simple. He knows his only way out of prison is a pardon, a Trump pardon. So he lied to please Trump. And here comes Barr, the the pardoner general and Whitaker saying he's seen pardoning documents. And if he's pardoned, he gets out of jail and remains safe from being targeted by Putin and the Kremlin because he didn't lie about commu- because he lied about communications at the heart of the Russian interference. Exactly. So I just want everyone to know that even if we don't get a major conspiracy indictment from Mueller, um, the conspiracy in aiding and abetting is coming out in these sentencing memos uh, and all these filings and motions. Um, such as the document filed by Mueller against Stone's request to have his case related or unrelated or unlinked from the Russian indictment case, which is 18 CR 215. That was what it was. <laughs> I was like 1935. That's right. No, 18 CR 215. Another example of a, of a court filing outlining the conspiracy against the United States perpetuated by Stone, the Trump campaign, WikiLeaks, Guccifer 2.0, and ultimately the Kremlin, that whole thing. So don't miss the proof of collusion right in front of us while we're looking ahead to try to find this massive superseding indictment, boom, pow, document at the end of the, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Right, we got enough right in front of our faces. Yeah, and we and we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss the forest for the trees, right? Like, exactly. It's about the journey, not yeah, the destination. it's the climb. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, guys, it's all coming out now, so stay tuned to Mueller She Wrote. We will keep you posted, we will keep you informed, and we'll try to make it easy to understand. We'll be right back. Hey, Mueller junkies. AG here to sing the praises of my new Buffy comforter. For me, a comforter has always been just a necessity, but now it's a luxury. Uh, I take my sleep very seriously, and this is easily the softest and most versatile comforter I've ever owned. First, it's made out of 100% recycled water bottles, and so far, Buffy has kept nearly 3.5 million of them out of landfills. The outside is made of plant-based eucalyptus, and it's ultra-breathable, so it sleeps cool in the summer and warm in the winter. And eucalyptus is not only super soft, it's soothing to the skin, um, and it's extremely sustainable because it uses 10 times less water to cultivate than cotton. Not to mention, it's hypoallergenic, so it blocks out dust, mold, and mites, and other allergens that prevent us from getting a good night's sleep. Personally, this breathable, sustainable comforter is perfect for me, the hubs, and the podcats because they sleep cool and I sleep hot, but we can all sleep together under the same comforter because it's breathable and it's fluffy and it's wonderful. Plus, the podcat fur doesn't stick to the smooth eucalyptusy goodness. And right now, Buffy is offering a free trial. Try it for 30 sleeps, and if you aren't impressed, just return it free of charge. No hassles. And right now, Muller She Wrote listeners can get $20 off by visiting Buffy.com and using the promo code AG. Once again, head to Buffy.com and use the promo code AG at checkout to put the comfort back in your comforter. You'll be glad you did. 
All right, Julie, so you ready for sabotage? Oh, yeah. All right, guys, this week in sabotage, Reuters put out a story that got no coverage uh, that the Senate Finance Committee has launched an inquiry into meetings between Obama Treasury officials, a Russian central banker, and Maria Butina. Mm. Last July, Reuters had reported that there were previously unreported meetings in 2015 set up by the Center for National Interest. And if that group sounds familiar, we did a story on them in episode 40 about how Butina had met with them and the CEO of AIG, Hank Greenberg, to get him to prop up a failing Russian bank by investing $8 million, which he did. And uh, we now know that Butina and Torshin met with Stanley Fisher, uh, the vice chair, then the vice chair of the Federal Reserve, and Nathan Sheets, the Treasury Undersecretary for Inter- International Affairs. And this week, the Senate panel sent a letter to Mnuchin, um, and Fed Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, uh, and the Center for National Interest Russian-born CEO, Dmitry Symes, asking for more information on these meetings with uh, top Russian government officials. The senators want to know about uh, the extent to which the Russian government engaged in efforts to undermine our political system. Quote, it is concerning that Ms. Butina and Mr. Torshin were able to gain access to high-level administration officials responsible for U.S. economic and monetary policy to discuss U.S.-Russian economic relations, unquote. And guys, when I read this article, I remembered that in episode 60, almost two months ago, we had reported on a BuzzFeed article saying Russian agents sought secret U.S. Treasury records on Clinton backers during the 2016 campaign, and that there were secret back-channel communications between our U.S. Treasury employees and the Kremlin using private Gmail and Hotmail accounts. You remember that? Um, and, And we found this out from whistleblowers within the department. Most notably, they were looking for records from Dirk, Edward, and Ziff, which coincidentally are the records Veselnitskaya promised Trump Jr. during the 2016 (laughs) Trump Tower meeting. That was the dirt they were promising on Hillary. Right. Are these two stories linked? I don't know, but I find it fascinating that Butina and Torshin were meeting with U.S. Treasury officials under Obama in 2015. Then shortly thereafter, the Kremlin had set up back channels with Treasury employees using private Gmail and Hotmail accounts that were later used to try to get dirt on Hillary Clinton. So could Veselnitskaya and Butina be linked? Is this the common thread between the Butina NRA investigation and the Veselnitskaya Trump Tower meeting? Wow. Put some beans on it. All right, are you ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Yeah. I'm going to be indicted! No, wait, it's going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! Honey. I'm going to be indicted! Hold it, they can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! All right, guys, let's do the Fantasy Indictment League. Let's do this. I get to pick first. Nice. So I'm going to start with Junior. Okay, I'm going to do Zamel, Joel Zamel. Okay, nice. Yeah. So, Jaleesa Zamel. Uh, I'm going to go with a Seder plea agreement. Okay, I'll take Prince. Kiss. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Assange. Ooh. Superseding Manafort. Okay, and I want to make something super clear here. I talked to Joyce uh, Vance, and apparently, if they're going to charge Manafort again, it's not going to be superseding indictments. It's going to be new, separate charges. Oh, well then, yeah. Because um, superseding indictments can't happen after the case is done. That makes sense. Yeah, he'll just Mm -hmm. get more indictments. (laughs) Right, so he just Manafort. Yeah, just Manafort. All right. We've been saying superseding Manafort forever because we thought they might happen before he went to jail. Mm, guess not. Um, let's see. I'm going to go with AMI. Okay. 
Erickson. All right. Erickson, well, he's already been indicted. You want oh, more really? indictments? Yeah, but not in the Mueller case. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking the Mueller case. Then. All right. Yeah, yeah. Paul Erickson, the beast. <laughs> and uh, my last one's going to be Kushner. Very nice. And who's your last one? Uh, Trump org. All right, got it. That's it. That's the Fantasy Indictment League this week. Um, we didn't get any points last week. No, and no. I, I always try to figure out the strategy, but there really is. You just got to go with the flow. Yeah. See how it is every week. You do. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's how we do it. So, if you want to play the Fantasy Indictment League, you got to be a, well, you don't have to be a patron, but if you want to do it officially on our closed Facebook group, um, Twitter's just as bad as Facebook, it's just as bad as Instagram. I know you hate it, but um, <laughs> that's where we have it right now. That's where it lives. Uh, and you can do that by becoming a patron, uh, patreon.com slash Mueller, she wrote, and you look for the announcements and look for the pinned post and then just reply to that post with your five picks. And you can update it any time in the week before an indictment drops. So you can't like add somebody after somebody's <laughs> indicted. Yeah, we can see the timestamps. <laughs> but like if there's hints, like if the grand jury meets Friday and people are staked out at, at Junior's house or Sater's house on Thursday night before he's indicted, you can put, slide him in. Oh, yeah. All right, guys, it's time for the interview. So joining us today for the interview is Yale grad, trial lawyer, and MSNBC legal contributor. Please welcome for the first time on the podcast, Katie Fang. Katie, welcome to Mueller, she wrote. Ah, the crowd goes wild. No, I'm joking. No, thank you for having me. Completely an honor. Thank you so much for your kind words. We've been trying to, we've been wanting you on for a long time. So uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming by and and thanks for... um, responding to us so as of the time of this recording it's saturday we have just gotten the set the manafort sentencing memo and all this news about manafort this week and i wanted to kick off this discussion about the man that helped manafort get his job on the trump campaign in the first place and his name is tom barrick katie what can you tell us about him there's so much I want to talk about about Tom Barrick. Like, I feel like when I talk about Tom Barrick, everybody looks at me like a nuts because he's not the guy that you hear about. He's this stealth player, but he's the common denominator. And I was having a conversation with someone else last night who I deemed to also be in the know. And she and I were discussing all things Mueller. And she also was in agreement that Tom Barrick is this man who is behind the scenes, who I suspect has been the huge puppeteer um, for a lot of stuff that has gone down. And the reason why I say that is Tom Barrick is some multi-cajillionaire, but he's been friends with Donald Trump since the early like 90- pre-breakfast club. Way back. They were, um, oh, I'm talking like dudes thought they were the original masters of the universe, right? Uh, and they're, they both were in real estate, et cetera. But the distinction with a difference for, for Tom Barrick from Donald Trump is the following. Tom Barrick has always known what side his, bre- his bread's being buttered. And he's always figured out what's the next big angle. So other than playing somebody like Donald Trump, and I'll get into more specifics about that, Barrick has ties to first cutter, um, and now more strongly with Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. And we all know this as we sit here today and have this conversation, MBS from Saudi Arabia is the big bad wolf that we have to deal with in the Middle East. But Tom Barrick basically teed up Paul Manafort to head the Trump 
presidential campaign. He insisted that Donald Trump hire, as you will recall, for free, like who the heck works for free these days, hired Paul Manafort for free to run his presidential campaign. Tom Barrick actually also bought Jared Kushner's debt in that devil building that I call in New York, 666 Fifth Avenue. He actually bought $70 million of Jared Kushner's debt. And then when Kushner was failing... Well, now didn't... And I'm sorry to interrupt, but didn't also um, Rosneft, didn't, or not Rosneft, excuse me, the Cutter Investment Authority, didn't Cutter have a big cut of that through Glencore? I be- Yes, I think you're right. I think it was Cutter that was involved in that. And so no big surprise there, right, that Tom Barrick would have connected people, the country, um, you know, these governmental and even like private entities that wanted to have stakes in the United States. Why not have? Yeah, and I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you again. Uh, I misspoke. It wasn't Glencore. It was uh, some other um, uh, Woodlawn, I think, was the name of the investment company. Anyway, and, and Cutter just recently came out and said, oh, we had no idea that we gave over a billion dollars to help bail out the devil building. Um, so that was interesting. Yeah, I call it the devil building. No, but it's just kind of like, you know what? It's amazing. It's just like, you know, and, and I could go on and on. Barrick hired Rick Gates as a consultant for Barrick's um, company, Colony. It's just everybody's so incestuously tied together. But Barrick's really important because he also was the chairman of the Trump inaugural committee. And so now the inaugural committee, which has now faced subpoenas and really hardcore subpoenas for financial records and ties to foreign you know, countries and whether or not we sold Trump administration basically sold access to the inauguration and to the administration, um, courtesy of Tom Barrick on his watch. That's a pro- that's part of the subpoena. So it's just kind of wild how Tom Barrick seems to always be involved in something, and yet he has not been highlighted. He's not in the forefront of this. And his answer to all of this is, well, I've already been interviewed yeah. on the Mueller <laughs> team. Okay, and a lot of people have. Doesn't mean that you're not going to get indicted, but so it's just kind of this guy is kind of keeps on popping up, and I keep on mentioning him. And sometimes people look at me and scratch their head, like I don't know why Katie's talking about this, but I feel like Tom Barrett's going to have a very significant role ultimately in the Mueller investigation, especially the spinoff. Well, that part. was my question for you. He's such a huge Middle East guy. Why Manafort? Um, was it? Do you think it maybe it was about lifting Russian sanctions to get those Saudi nuclear? reactors built like that whole Flynn Copson deal that they were working on I mean everybody you like you said it's so incestuous but like what why Manafort if he's if he's pumping up MBS and MBZ so hard well Manafort actually had his own ties to Saudi Arabia before from like a long time ago and so it's not like Manafort was a complete stranger to the Saudis or to the UAE but I think that more importantly I think man he knew I think Tom Barrick knew that Manafort being put in the campaign as a direct plant because Barrick himself has always had um direct involvement with Trump in terms of he was the first guy who was a multi you know billionaire multimillionaire businessman to come forward and basically stump for Donald Trump. He's the first one who put his credibility on the line for Donald Trump out of the whole kind of stable of Wall Street and the the rich elite. And people saw that. And it lent credibility to Donald Trump, who otherwise didn't have any. And so I think Barrick 
could put a plant like somebody like Paul Manafort there who he knew was right. going to. And we to... know that the Middle East um, and Russia are inextricably linked through this nuclear deal. Uh, if they want to build the reactors, they need to lift the sanctions on Russia so that they can do the gas part of it and do the pipeline part of it. That's kind of where Eric Prince fits into this whole weird thing. Um, so it's it's really, there's just so many, like I feel like my murder board has a lot of threads between the Middle East and Russia and the Trump campaign. So it's it's pretty odd. Well, yeah, and then, you know, and the other kind of wild thing is this. So there, so recently um, the there was this memo that got leaked that was supposed to remain confidential. And so this company that I just mentioned that was founded by Tom Barrick called Colony. So there's this confidential secret memo from Colony. And basically what it says is, here's the game plan. This is how we are strategically going to position ourselves to be able to gain access to the Trump administration so we can basically cultivate relationships internationally, which will bottom line benefit our pockets. And so this mm-hmm. memo, which, by the way, no coincidence, was written by, drumroll please, Rick Gates. <laughs> and who, by the way, Rick Gates, man, that dude is shaving time off his sentence <laughs> like a camp. He is behind the scenes like, oh, you want to talk about Tom Barrick? Here you go. You want to talk about Paul Manafort? Here you go. You want to talk about the uh, inaugural committee and all that money? Where did it go? Here you go. I mean, Rick Gates is doing exceptional work. My hat off to him behind the scenes with the Mueller team. But anyway, so Rick Gates wrote this memo because he was, like I said, he was hired by Barrick to be a consultant for this company. And of course, Rick Gates is still cooperating with Mueller. But Rick Gates basically said, look, here's the game plan. We do this, and this is how all the countries end up being in the White House, not on the outside, but in the White House with Donald Trump and his whole, you know, band of merry, mischievous, yeah. thieving, felonious misfits, and everybody will benefit financially. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, of course, we've got the Apollo group in there talking to, was it Kushner um, or Junior, one of the two. <clears throat> and, yeah, it's just, it's in all the influence that came through Cohen's slush fund, Um that he was running, um, and like, uh, for example, in Trader uh, Vexelberg. Uh, and so that all links back to the inaugural. So there's something really, really, um, you can't, like, you can't pull them apart. The, the, the Middle East, the inaugural, Trump and Russia, they're all just super linked. And, and, who, and so, and then again, who's the person who's doing a lot of this? Tom Barrick. I forgot to mention Tom Barrick also loaned Paul Manafort $1.5 million because you know that's what we do, right? Because, oh, I'll bail you out, right. Jerry Kushner, for $70 million. Oh, do you need $1.5 right. Paul? Here you go, my friend. Oh, of course, I'll, I'll call in that chip later, right? That's the thing. It's like, you know, he's positioning these people. He introduced Jared Kushner to the Saudi ambassador to the United States. He teed up these meetings for MBS and Jared Kushner. And then, of course, just last week, because we had that insane, boring, no no week of news, right? But just last week, Tom Barrick is yep. in Dubai. And what is he saying? He says the United States sucks, is what he's saying. And he says that we, as in decent, law-abiding, non-murderous Americans, that we just got them all wrong in Saudi Arabia, and that because we don't understand the rule of law in Saudi Arabia, that we should not be criticizing the fact that they murdered Jamal Khashoggi. Like, we should just ignore that because that's how they roll over there. Are you kidding me? This guy has, like, he's there 
shitting all over the United States because Donald Trump gives him carte blanche to do it. But he's basically saying it's completely kosher to be luring, you know, American residents because I know he wasn't a U.S. citizen, but shit, the guy was, you know, a writer for the Post and he had legal status here in the United States. Oh, but come on, you get lured into an embassy and we're going to. Right. And, th- and then now we find these ties, you know, Khashoggi works for the Washington Post, as you said, and the Post is owned by Bezos. And now we have this whole AMI. <gasps> Ben. Yeah, and then Michael Sanchez, Lauren Sanchez's brother, and Lauren being the girlfriend of Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. Michael Sanchez is good friends with Roger Stone, Carter Page, all those, you know, disgusting people. And so you just, it's like you just can't extricate yourself. It's like the stickiness of the webs of like a spider web. It's so sticky, right? So it just keeps on sticking everything together and it takes a master perfectionist like Robert Mueller to unwind and unspool these threads and to basically it reminds me of this i have a four-year-old daughter and she likes to get into everything and i have a jewelry box that hangs (laughs) necklaces and if you if she goes in there and she starts fiddling around with my necklaces especially ones that are fine what happens they get tangled together and i get angry and you know i give her a time out and then i have to sit down and i'm not kidding you i'll use tweezers to have to peel them apart and it'll take me a long time and i think of robert Mueller that way of course i'm you know i'm completely superficializing i just made up a word robert Mueller. But it's that exact art of being able to unwind all of the stuff that's tangled together is what Robert Mueller does. And if it takes me that long to do to undo the shit that my four year old did. No. Right. It's it's just too much. Uh, And I mean, he is, to be fair, handing off a lot of this complex stuff, the inaugural, um, which, by the way, the scope of that subpoena is ridiculous. It's going to take months and months, but they're going to comply, they say. Uh, But it's just there's just so much left to unwind and that's a really good analogy with the necklaces i've been there um right yeah so you totally get it so you can completely empathize empathize it's like you got to unwind it but eventually what you do you have discrete clasped necklaces left over and that's exactly what Mueller's doing he's unwinding this and he's presenting them when they're done he's saying here you go and sometimes they still you know have some interrelationship but sometimes they don't and so i believe certain things like the Roger Stone prosecution, there's a reason why it's being jointly brought so that if Mueller winds up his investigation, D.C. can continue to prosecute, you know, um, uh, Ro- Roger Stone. But but there are certain things that are still going on. There's a reason why somebody like Rick Gates, right, they, they just have back. a status update on his sentencing March 15th. A status. They don't have his sentencing March 15th. Flynn is still pending. I mean, everybody just keeps on getting pushed back. Even Butina gets her, you know, sentencing pushed back. And God knows what's going on with her. And so I just kind of feel like people want it. And if you butt it up against other investigations, it's actually going really fast. Um, So a question for you. So we know Tom Barak brought in Manafort. And Manafort brought in Pence. And I get asked a lot about Pence, and I just don't have any information on him because I feel like he's done a really good job distancing himself from this whole thing. Do you have any insights on how he fits into this whole web? What's his necklace? What's his deal? So Pence is a really interesting fellow because I agree with your immediate assessment that he appears to have kept himself out of it. And I do think, though, that it's a completely plausible, incredible approach to think that Mike Pence really didn't have the type of 
criminal nefarious involvement that all the other players did in either in you know Russian interference and or obstruction. And the reason why I say that is I think you always need to have somebody who can have plausible deniability, someone. Um, and if you look at, um, and I'm talking more higher level, if you look at Pence, he still appeals to the Trump base, right? That evangelical, very right, um, conservative Trump base, that base that helped get the Trump Pence ticket elected and put into the White House. So if right. Trump ends up sullied in any way, you still have Pence who can still have his hands clean plausibly. And I think oh, I will. that Pence also, I can't speak to his intellectual um, stamina or, you know, prowess. He doesn't, imp- I, 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 well, as in he doesn't impress me with either of those things at all. In fact, the do shows more passion being anti-abortion and I can't go sit in the room with you because you're a woman and you have a vagina if you're by yourself. Like he shows more passion for that than he does for, you know, world affairs and international relations. But I just think that maybe he's just the patsy, but not like the fall guy patsy, just like, oh, you know, I'm lending some, you know, legitimacy to this administration because I clearly am not involved in any of that. And he can say it credibly. But that's me like total far left field, you know, hypothesizing on how Pence is involved. But I do think that Pence just was put and introduced and. Yep. Kaiser Soze. I don't think it was. Because Pence ends up being Kaiser. Was it Kaiser? No, yeah, I think I'm 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 along the lines with you. He was picked uh, as a clean guy, uh, basically. Um, we need a clean dude. Well, because it wasn't like Trump. It wasn't like Trump had his hands clean. Trump couldn't keep it in his pants. You know, Trump wasn't going to church. Trump wasn't maintaining, um, you know, long term fidelity. Tr- you know, Trump was all sorts of dirty right. and then some. And I think you get right. Pence, and you're like, look. This man stands next to me and holds my hand, so I must not be such a bad guy. Wink, wink, right? And that's what Pence does, and I think that that's the reason why Pence remains, which is kind of funny, though, because if you think 25th Amendment stuff, it's like, whoa, secession plan would be whom? It would be Michael Pence? What? But yeah, so, you know, so it's kind of interesting, but again, I don't think that Pence is (laughs) the brilliant... Uh, and, and by the way, I know Kevin Spacey was Kaiser Soze. <laughs> I know, and I know Kevin Spacey has his own. No, we're speaking strictly of the character, right? Yeah, the character. <laughs> so here's another uh, Barrett question for you, and it, I, I want to know his connections to Flynn because, besides the Middle East, right? The whole cops and texting on the dais of the inauguration we're going to rip up sanctions ha 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 we're going to get those reactors built in saudi arabia and we're going to recolonize the middle east and maybe that's why colony was the name of his goddamn company but i don't know um but besides the middle east there's that hole in that in that flynn uh, i don't remember if it was a sentencing memo or if it was a here's why we're not going to throw the book at him memo but there was a third investigation that was completely redacted it wouldn't even say if it was criminal or counterintelligence and I'm I'm wondering if that has something to do with the Cutter Investment Authority, or maybe it's got something to do with uh, Barrick. But I'm wondering how much additional uh, assistance Flynn can provide, since his, the judge in the last trial was like, "Why didn't you charge these guys with treason? And you better not let me sentence you today. Go go forth and cooperate more, and we'll talk later." Remember when they asked him like six times, like, "Are you sure?" You should really wait. 
uh, I, you know, I'm really mad at you right now. So I'm wondering if what the connection is there or if you have any insights on what you think that third investigation might be. I know it's speculation, but I, I enjoy speculation. Well, you know, so we know that we'll, we'll, we can always look at kind of the building blocks that can lead to rank speculation on our part, but could be maybe well-founded. So we know that Michael Flynn was hired by a, a firm that lobbied for Cutter, right? And so we know that Flynn was directly being involved. And so it really kind of makes you wonder whether or not Flynn's sentencing would actually show exactly how much the Cutter Royals had a direct involvement with Trump and the Russia connection. Because I think, again, people like to compartmentalize the way that this whole thing's gone down. And it's it always was focusing on Russia to begin with. And the and the narrative and the dialogue has always been so heavily Russia driven. But now we know that you can't look at them as being mutually exclusive. You can. They're all interrelated. But the ultimate question that that merits an answer is, you know, how, you know, is it just people were being driven by greed and these are countries that facilitated greed and they just happened to be Qatar or Saudi Arabia or Russia or the Ukraine? Or are we really specifically dealing with the fact that maybe there's this whole thing about bribery and you know, the steel dossier and how accurate was the information in the steel dossier that spoke to things. And so I don't really know um, the Flynn direct, the strength of the Flynn direct tie. I don't know. Um, I think that we'll probably find out once Flynn is sentenced. But then again, also, even if he's sentenced um, and when he is sentenced, there's so much that remains redacted because they're still open and pending investigations. And because everything's so interconnected, I think what we could do is if things remain redacted, that means right. that. And, and we know that um, Flynn's deputy was KT McFarlane, who was later offered a job as the ambassador to Singapore. Uh, and the ambassador, previous ambassador to Singapore, had a, a presence at that Mayflower meeting. Um, so it's like it's and that has to do with the the Saudi reactor plan. So it's just all this craziness. Um, and I think Bud McFarlane was. Uh, her mentor, and it just seems like there were so many people installed almost in 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 this administration, and I I just have to wonder how much Trump knew about um and what he didn't know about and was being used for. You know what I mean? Well, remember, there's also that the guy from Cutter who basically said that he was hanging out shooting the shit with Michael Cohen and Michael Flynn at Trump Tower, right? And yeah, that's uh, Al Rumehi. Yeah, right. That was it. Yeah, Al Rumehi was like, oh, yeah, yeah why I was is... hanging out with them and we were doing stuff together. Huh? Like, what were you guys doing? Like, and why is it a Trump Tower of all places? Yeah, him. Yeah, he was interesting. I actually think that the uh, and I, I think we'll find out soon, but I think that the secret company from country A in the Mueller subpoena battle that Mueller is the one who wants to keep quiet. I personally think that that's the Cutter Investment Authority. But, I mean, it, it could be somebody we've never heard of. But anyway. Uh, well, that would fit with the idea that it's a governmental entity, right? Hello. It's exactly by definition what it is. And normally it deals with, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to, they've been fighting um, the subpoena that ostensibly are going to be for what? Financial records, right? That's usually what it is. What else would you not want to turn over? Um, so I think that that's a really educated, exceptional guess. It's probably pretty dead on. And by the way, I, I will add a footnote to our conversation about 
um, people getting together and doing shady, nefarious things. Um, Tom Barrick <laughs> let Why? Colony, the company, his company, he let their offices be used for transition team meetings that were deemed to be sensitive. <laughs> it's like, oh, you need a place. For me, I'm used to people being like, dude, I need to play a place to crash. Here's my futon. Like that's what yeah. I Yeah. As comedians, we do we do this thing called couch surfing when we go on tour. It sounds like all the Russians are uh shell company surfing. Um <laughs> yes. just having these little meetings and crashing out at uh Yes, absolutely. And then apparently they're going to go hang out at uh at Tom Barracks. I go hang out at Tom mm-hmm. Barracks. I'm sure it's pretty fancy. But remember Michael Cohen. Yeah, we've got a lot of um sadly tainted as witnesses but very uh knowledge-rich cooperators in this investigation. Yeah, they're never going to be. I mean, in the traditional kind of mob prosecution sense, uh, drug ring sense. I mean, anytime when I was a prosecutor and I was dealing with it, it's you, you started flipping people and they had their hands dirty. They all did. But who's better Who's better suited to speak to the inner machinations and workings right. of... And, and even if they aren't a good material witness as Gates proved not to be to the jury in the Manafort trial. They just didn't listen to him at all. Uh, You can get leads and information that will lead you to documentary evidence and other evidence that can be used. So it's it's while they might not be the the most reliable witness, um, they are, you know, founts of knowledge. Yeah. And as long as there is independent corroborating objective evidence through the form of, like you said, documentary, photographic, videographic, whatever, audio. I mean, just if there's something else there that will corroborate, then you're OK. I mean, you can base it on that. You And even then you can use circumstantial evidence. You know, right. even- and, and we've seen this work because Manafort was convicted on eight counts, um, even if the, even though Gates wasn't the most reliable witness, the documentary evidence that he was able to lead Mueller to or Mueller found on his own or corroborating uh, other evidence uh, that that is what or, you know, got the got the eight eight felony counts convict that's what he got convicted oh yeah and and manafort is leaving prison in a body bag is what's gonna happen to manafort now easy he will he will and that was his calculated gamble he thought he could play the government and we as we always say as lawyers you know the biggest the biggest law firm in the world and most powerful law firm in the world um, is not Kirkland Ellis, by mm-hmm. the way, because I don't know if you noticed, but all these Kirkland lawyers are now in DOJ and very high up in the food chain. Um, but no, it's the uh, it's the United States government. Yeah. Well, before that whole cooperation agreement, we we were of the ilk that he would never cooperate because he was angling for a pardon, A or B. He was scared shitless of the Kremlin um, <laughs> because we've seen uh, people accidentally get hurt uh, to death uh, <laughs> who have crossed Putin. So <laughs> they're they're accidentally they're accidentally uh, murdered. Well, I know it's in some insurance policies, right? Accidental death and dismemberment. So maybe you know, hopefully he was covered. That's a crime. I'm not familiar. With. <laughs> Just what a horrible, what a horrible thing. And and the fact that we do do not and did not immediately invoke the wrath of sanctions and any other thing that was within our arsenal for that conduct. Yeah, it's a scandal a day. And and we know Trump recently missed his deadline under the Magnitsky Act to respond to Congress about the murder of Khashoggi. And and, and nobody talks about that. That came and went. And it, uh, and it completely dovetailed on the day when Saudi Arabia said, sorry, we don't know where the body is. Really? 
Yeah, that I think that that was probably some sort of uh, sulfuric acid dissolution situation or something. Didn't, didn't somebody have a hot tub full of sulfuric acid in this thing? I can't remember who it was. Yeah, and then what got weird was just like, um, I was going to say it's like right around the corner was Envoy or the Ambassador's like... The consul general's home was around the corner, yeah. and they found stuff. They found evidence there, so I think that there could have been. And then that cutout guy um, must have accidentally put on all of Khashoggi's clothes and walked out of the consulate to, you know, make sure everyone saw. Oh, that happens to me all the time. Yeah, somebody accidentally wears my clothing and, leave, and leaves me butt naked somewhere. So, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, Katie, it's been really insightful speaking to you. I'm so glad that you got a chance to come on. I hope that we can uh, have you on the podcast again. So everybody, trial lawyer, MSNBC legal contributor. Thank you so much, Katie Fang. All right, guys, that's our show. Um, Please grab your tickets to our live shows in D.C. March 29th and the Bell House in Brooklyn March 30th. I just confirmed that our guests, our panelists and our panelist guest, Uh, At the D.C. show is going to be Katie Fang, who we just spoke to in the interview, and our uh, guest of honor, our interview guest of honor, I have to come up with a comfy chair guest, uh, is going to be Natasha Bertrand in D.C. So I'm really excited about that. Bell House in Brooklyn, March 30th, and then the Largo in Los Angeles, where I've confirmed that Elizabeth Cronice McLaughlin from uh, Resistance Live Mm -hmm. is going to be joining us. That's amazing. Uh, Tickets are almost gone. We sold half of the tickets on the first day to Largo. Thank you guys so so much. I'm so stoked. I'm so excited to meet you guys. If you want access to our midweek episodes, which are ad-free and they're full, they're like an hour long, Um, and if you, you know, you want ad-free main episodes and uh, all kinds of prizes and you also get our whole archive of bonus episodes and book club episodes and the newsletter and show notes and articles and citations at three bucks a month, guys, it's for everything. It's all included. And, um, we're working diligently on developing a daily show called the daily beans and we're getting help from, they might be giants for the music and writers from Aquabat super show and yo Gabba Gabba. And support from Dan Harmon's podcast network. That's the guy behind Rick and Morty. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and if you become a patron of Muller, she wrote, you will automatically be a patron of Daily Beans. So we want you to be able to continue to get your news recaps from us well after Mueller has done his job, well after Trump is gone. Because uh, we think shining a light on justice in politics from a feminist perspective is something that is important. And I'm committed to doing it. Jaleesa is committed to do it. Committed to doing it. And then and then and then and then. Jordan is also committed to doing it. <laughs> Tits McGee. So thank you so much to everybody for supporting us. We love you all. Any final thoughts? Yeah, just uh, Miss Jordan. She'll be back though. She hope she's having a good time. She probably. I think she's skiing or something. Yeah, she's, she's in the snow. She's blending in. That's not racist, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> she's translucent though. That's true. She said it <laughs> by her own joke. So uh, anyway, guys, we love you. Be kind to each other, and we'll see you next time. I've been Ag. I've been Julissa Johnson, and I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com.
M S W Media.